Bring it in. Read option. Back, getting you ready for another weekend of football. We're in the double digits in both NFL and college football, which is frankly just, it's really sad. I don't know where two and a half months of NFL has gone, but uh, it's happened and is now subsequently passed. Uh, I am joined by my boy, Scotty Miller. What's going on? In the books. It's in the books, they say. Uh (laughs) Ten weeks are in the books. No veto today. Uh, there's some scheduling conflicts, which are actually low key my fault. Um, but maybe we'll get into that at the end of the pod. Maybe, maybe we'll peel the peel the onion back. It's always fun to to get in those kinds of conversations. Uh, sure. I like I like being transparent about our lives and stuff outside of sports. Um, I do want to before we get into the sports here, Scotty. And there's a lot to get to. Odell Beckham Jr., Cam Newton, uh, college football playoff rankings. Before we get into our preview of the week. Uh, I was digging through some of the numbers on the podcast, like some of the analytics and like viewers and listeners and where's everyone's kind of coming from. And we have like a surprisingly diverse, like listeners, like all over the country. Uh, I'm going to pull up the map here and just give all of our listeners a shout out because it it really is like, like pretty astounding. Um, Furthest. I mean, we have a diehard listener in Dublin and Belgium. So our friends in Belgium, yeah, Dublin, Ireland. And uh, we also have a little, uh, we got some listeners in Northern Ireland as well. Oh, reach out at Jeff underscore Gimple on Twitter. Reach out to us on social media. I would love to to chat and and say thank you for listening. But yeah, we got listeners in uh, Brussels. We're big in Brussels. We're big in Dublin. Uh, And then I love their sprouts. Yeah. And then just, (laughs) uh, and then just south of uh, Belfast in Ireland, Kill Keel, Ireland, just Lancia. north of there, uh, up in uh, Northern Ireland, home of one uh, Rory, Rory McIlroy. That's exactly right. Uh, but even just in the U.S., I mean, tons in the Northeast, New York and uh, D.C. and Philly, which I think we all kind of figured. But then uh, North Carolina, Ohio, Chicago, uh, St. Louis, Kansas City, uh, right outside of Wichita, Dallas. Uh, Fort Worth, Texas, Grand Calcaterra, I mean, Phoenix. Yeah, we get right outside in Fort Worth, Texas is where we have the Calcaterra boys listening and uh, shout outs to them. Salt Lake City, San Jose. We are across the country. So just wanted to take a moment here at the top of the pod to say thank you to everybody yes, who yes. listens. The numbers are, are continuing to go up. So I'm, I'm very thankful for that. And uh, just just keep on keep on listening and, and enjoy the pod because we love we and love doing a friend. It. Yeah. And, and if you're, look, if you're a listener of the pod, you're a friend of mine. That's the, that's the motto friend of all of ours. Uh, I teased at the end of last episode, uh, we're going to have a very, very special guest joining us next week. I'm doing a sit down interview with a former first round pick in the NFL draft, uh, a, a famous quarterback. You will know him. Uh, we're working out the details to get that set up. So uh, stay tuned for that because that's going to be a really fun interview. We're going to talk about his experience in college, what it was like being drafted, expectations of a top 10 draft pick, uh, and uh, and just life playing in the NFL, as well as hopefully a couple of fun behind-the-scenes stories as well. Uh, and with all that being said, let's get into the news. So literally an hour before we started recording this, Adam Schefter, ESPN, 
and uh, all the insiders, Rappaport, all those guys, they broke the news. We've been speculating Odell Beckham Jr., where is he going to go? It had been reported. It was – what were the three teams, Scotty? It was the Saints. Packers. Packers and one other team. Oh, right. the, the Rams were not on the, the list. were not on the list? I, I don't think they were. It was the Packers, the Saints. 49ers? Oh, maybe it was the Rams. Now, now I'm screwing this up. Um, I, I didn't think it was the Pack or Kansas City. That's what that was the other team. Yeah, uh-huh. the teams that that were the, the big three, Diana Rossini uh, tweeted this last night that it was going to be Kansas City, Green Bay, or New Orleans. But then there had also been reports that New England was involved and the Seahawks were involved as well. So the Saint, the Rams coming in out of nowhere, kind of the dark horse here. Uh, and and frankly, we even talked about this on the pod on on I maybe mean, it was Tuesday's pod when we were all at Vito's, uh, our Vito's parents' house. That we didn't think it was likely that, or maybe it was last week. So we didn't think it was likely that Odell was going to go to the Rams. Uh, I just they have already Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Van Jefferson. You know, I guess I'm I'm curious as to where he's going to fit in. One of the nice things about Robert Woods and and also Cooper Cup as well is both of them can play out of the slot. Uh, Odell has done some of that in his career, so he's going to kind of slide in there at, at some point. But also, this offense is so interchangeable, right? And and McVay's offense has been that way forever, where it's predicated on running the ball, but also just finding ways to get receivers open. What I'm really curious about this, Scotty, is how much does Odell buy in, right? Because the offense that the Rams run isn't all that dissimilar to what the Browns run with the exception of just more of an emphasis on, on running the ball consistently. But in terms of like, they're going to run to set up the pass, you know, the Browns are a little more run to run and they're kind of like, that's their main objective, but in yeah. order for well, a wide but that's receiver, where their talent lies. So true. A hundred percent. that's how they've built that team. But and on the Rams, it's the other way. Yeah. And, and I guess my point being is it's like, it, they're both offenses where Odell would have to buy into it. Right. Odell's not going to get a ton of targets here. He's not going to be he's not going to get any more target share than he did playing for Cleveland. So how does he fit in here with this offense with the Rams? Because if he buys in, I think it's a home run and and I think he can be really productive. I just don't know if maybe stuff had been happening behind the scenes and him and Baker or whatnot. They just didn't get along to to the extent that then all of a sudden Odell was like, hey, you know what? I'm out. And he just had kind of mentally checked out or. Is he just unwilling to buy into a new team? No, it seems to me like Odell is uh, is of the generation, well, that we are really, and just wants the like the video game philosophy, right? Like, uh, I want to be part of this team. Like, when you play Madden, right? You create a player. It doesn't matter what team you go to. You're going to create a player, and he's going to be like the star of the team. That's what Odell needs to be, right? And so it's, he's not a guy who's like, well, I have this skill set uh, at which I can operate, and you can plug me into that skill set and on your team, and and I'll be good. Like for example, here he's not going to be the guy that you plug into the slot and get Cooper Cup and and Robert Woods, Cooper Cup deep and Robert Woods in the, in the short game as well. Uh, and there's going to be some sort of balance on the off. I don't think this works at all. I really don't. Yeah. Uh, because to me, it's just. You're right, Jeff. It's just a repeat of of the same offensive scheme, uh, at least in terms of of play calling and balance that we've seen in uh, in uh, in Cleveland that he had. So I'm not a fan. I don't think it's a really good fit, like at all. I think Seattle would have been a much better fit. Uh, so if I, much to first, he went to the Rams, which I hate. 
Seattle would have been worse though. So, um, so it is what it is, but I, I just, I don't know that it's a really good fit. Honestly. I, I, again, I think it all comes down to what Odell does. Like what, what, how does he buy in? Right. Cause yes, offensively it, they run different route concepts, but the one thing about the Rams is that they do their whole passing scheme is very simple, right? It's, it's kind of like, do you remember in remember the Titans when Denzel is like, you know, I, yeah, he's running the offense and it's like, they run seven plays, but just kind of different variations of them. That's mm-hmm. not that far off from what the Rams do. Obviously it's more complicated than just seven plays, but what they do is they run the same series of four or five concepts and, and route concepts and, and patterns uh, but they just run them out of different formations with different movement beforehand. And they set them and up in different areas of the field. Of that. Yeah. yeah. And, and they, they try to simplify for the receivers. They just scheme up different ways to run the same concepts to get those guys open. So if Odell, like, I don't think he's going to have trouble learning the offense that much. I, I think for the, it should be good, but just a matter of, will he buy into this role and you use the perfect word there and it's balance. Right. And this year has actually been the first time that we've seen the Rams you know, really target Cooper Cup over Robert Woods forever, whether it was in fantasy or just even football conversations. It was always a debate, right? Who is who would you rather have out of those two receivers, Cooper Cup or Robert Woods? And this Although, year, it's been very clear that like they're favoring Cooper Cup, though we have although, seen a couple of big days yeah. from Robert Woods as and well. In where the he's last, got like 12 in the targets. last couple of weeks, yeah, the last couple of weeks, it's been sort of balancing itself out, right? Yeah, not like Cooper Cup's still getting like the the lion's share of the target share but robert woods is like if you can mix him in and then like oh by the way you're a def- on defense you have to rely about those two guys who we're, we're starting to grow in chemistry with with matt stafford and balanced out the offense in the passing game and then we got obj on the field like yeah. his talent is undeniable right so you're gonna have to worry about that on a defensive scheme and cover for it and i have no doubt that mcveigh can figure out a way to beat you five ways to Sunday with, with that scheme. I, I am interested though, because by adding Odell Beckham jr, you are taking away snaps from Van Jefferson, who is a second year wide receiver out of Florida, who they spent a first round draft pick on who is a, a, by all estimations, a really good player and primarily what he does. And part of the reason why they were able to release Deshaun Jackson a couple weeks ago is because Van Jefferson is the deep threat right? Van Jefferson's the guy who's going to stretch out the back of the defense. And Matt Stafford has hit him on a couple of long touchdowns already this year. So he's been a threat to the point where defenses have to recognize that. And that opens so much over the middle, which is where Cooper cup and Robert Woods both excel at. So if you're adding Odell, you know, to this offense out of the slot, even if he's out on the outside, though, Van Jefferson primarily plays in the slot. Odell's not stretching the field. You're not sending him out there just to take the top off the defense. You're using him as a real like weapon. Like, or at least you should be using Odell as a, as a real weapon. So that's something I'm curious about because if you're going to have three guys who not to say that the other guys can't stretch the field, but you'd be asking them to do something that's not their strength. Whereas Van Jefferson is one of the fastest wide receivers in the NFL and does a really good job of getting those other guys open. So will Odell, buy into just being not like a decoy, but being the deep threat that opens up the middle of the field. I don't know. I, I hope he does. Cause I think if he does, this offense is going to be a ton of fun to watch, or yeah. we're going to see them run more, you know, four wide receiver sets where, you know, it's no tight end. Cause like Tyler Higby is a good tight end. And when he's played, you know, he's had a couple of big games, but I also feel like this team, 
they're really good when they can run the ball, right? And not necessarily like 200 yards rushing. But when they hit that 100-yard mark, this team is almost unbeatable. When, when Daryl Henderson's able to break off 10-yard runs, you know, at a time seemingly because you're so worried about the passing game and you have to adjust, then, then that's when this offense becomes, all right, if you're going to do this, we're going to do that, right? It becomes like a, like a tennis match, right? All right, yep. they're adjusting to the run. All right, we're going to spread it out more. All right, they're playing too deep safety. They're playing a nickel. All right, we're going to run inside zone and give it to Daryl Henderson. So I'm, I'm just curious to see how this changes the overall dynamics. And I will say this too. This is a really important stretch for Odell because he's he's basically just signing out for the remainder of the year. He's got a one-year contract. So oh, rental. So if Odell wants another contract, you know, whether it's fair or unfair, he's gonna have to put up numbers. He's gonna have to, you know, do stuff. So we will learn whether or not he was the problem in Cleveland or not, based off of how he performs in LA. If he buys mm-hmm. in and does the little stuff and the team continues to win and they fight for the one seed, they still have another game against Arizona coming up to close that gap between them. Then I think we'll see like, all right, like Odell, he wasn't the problem, right? It was just, it wasn't a good fit in Cleveland or, or, you know, Baker Mayfield is not as, you know, or Baker Mayfield was more of the problem, but I'm just curious to see how then it, you know, it responds if it goes the other way where it's like, man, the Rams got Odell and their offense does not look the same. He's not, he's only playing 10 snaps a game, you know, and then we're going to be like, all right, you know what? Odell's probably more of the, more of a problem child than we've realized. And in my estimation too, he just hasn't looked that good this year. Even when he's been open, you can put all the high, you know, his dad can put all the, yeah, his dad can put all the highlight packages together that he wants. He's still talented. We said this last week, he's still talented, but is he that guy, you know? And, and at this point, we see it happen in the NBA all the time. Star players refusing to adjust as they get older, right? Russell Westbrook's a great example of that. Refusing mm-hmm. to adjust, realizing that they're not the same athlete they were before, realizing they're not the same player that they were before, and can they adjust? And this is going to be the first real test of both for that uh, with Odell. And I think if you're going to compare anyone to, to NBA players in the NFL, it's Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, the other big news that came out today is Cam Newton is uh, he is signed officially to go back to the Carolina Panthers. Superman returns. Uh, I am, I'm, I think you're probably a little more optimistic about it than I am. I'm not trying to be cynical about it, but just the versions of Cam Newton, like, look, he's, he's had time off. He hasn't gotten banged up all year. He should come in fresh. He should come in healthy. But I, to me, I don't think it changes the ceiling or changes the trajectory. I mean, will he be better than Sam Darnold has this year? Yeah, probably. Uh, but that's also not a particularly high bar to cover. I, I think the cool <laughs> part about this. I'll take and, that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'll, I'll say this too. Like part of my <laughs> resentment maybe is, maybe that's a strong word, but part of my feelings toward this are definitely biased because I have never seen as many people on Twitter make the same joke in a day. Which, you know, when there's a player who's like Odell, right? It's happening. You see people Photoshop the new jerseys onto the player. It's like, oh, here's what Odell looks like in a Patriots jersey. The amount of people who just tweeted out an old picture of Cam Newton was like, got the new Photoshop out now. Ha ha. It was, I was sitting, I was working today from home, doing a radio show. I'm scrolling through Twitter and it's just like every other tweet is that same joke and everybody made come it. on like, people we get it okay it's Be very better. funny it's very funny 
and this is why, you know, PFT and the part of my take guys are, are the Kings, why they're so freaking funny, you know, uh, PFT tweeted a picture of Cam Newton already in the Jersey, but then like did the edit on his iPhone and just colored in like the shade of blue, like really crappily and was like first edit of it. And it's like, he was mocking all the people who were just posting up the new picture. It was, it was very funny. Great. I just, yeah. So, um, I don't know. I, I'm excited to see it. Does he wear number one again? Don't they? I think they might have a wide receiver who wears one. Hmm. I could, I could be wrong about that, but I, I don't know. No, DJ Moore wears two. DJ I'm Moore wears sure two. About the one though. Robbie Anderson's still 11. Oh, he's got to give him the one. Oh wait, you, no, you can't wear it if if uh Not if someone's mid-season. played in a game. Yeah, you can't mm-hmm. uh you can't change numbers. Um so I mean look to me it's a cool sign. Um they they need an answer at quarterback because clearly nobody uh in the preseason who was like, Oh my god, including myself, was like, Oh my god, Sam Darnold, he's still got the talent, like he's still a really good quarter. He's not a good quarterback in the NFL. He's not yeah. he's just uh and that sucks because he he looked really talented coming out of college and and uh, and we had nothing but great things to say about him, but uh, not the answer. So uh, I'm excited to see him back in Carolina. I'm sure that's really good for their fan base, uh, and they need a kind of a morale boost right now. And I'm really excited to see him actually play in like full time with Christian McCaffrey, number one, and then second is um, is in that offense with Joe Brady and Christian McCaffrey. So that, that should be kind of exciting. I don't know, you know, wins losses. I think maybe, you know, we project them at what seven at best for the remainder of the year. I think think they're four and five right now, four and four, four and five. Uh, Yeah. I said, I I, I still where I have them at seven or eight. Yeah. But with the way they had been playing too, I feel like they were on pace to win like five games, you know, like when, like, because they just hadn't been looking good. I do think the defense is still pretty good, you know, and, and they're still a young defense. That's the thing, too. The, we're still, it's still only the second year, you know, for Matt Rule and and drafting all those defensive players in the first round. And, and the Stephon Gilmore signing, uh, you know, or trade earlier in the season was big. So I'm excited for it. Um, it'll be cool to see. And the other part, too, you know, when, when Cam Newton got released, there was a lot of, like, bad blood that was there, you know, and, and I think unequivocally Cam Newton's the best player in franchise history for the, for the Panthers. He led them to that 15 and one season, led them to a mm-hmm. super bowl. Yes. MVP? They got the, yeah, MVP that year. Yes. He got the, sh- they got the shit kicked out of them by the Broncos, but to see like a, a pairing like that, that was so cool. And it was number one overall pick and so many people doubted him and he won the national championship at Auburn and all this stuff to see him, respond to, to come back and have a chance to kind of mend those fences with that fan base. I, I think it's just a really cool thing. And, and as, as the kids say, you know, he'll get his flowers finally, uh, but I don't think it's going to result to a lot of wins. Uh, the last thing here before what we get your, I'm just being honest. <laughs> like, it's, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I just tell it like it is bro. All right. I'm just, just tell what kind like of it flowers. <laughs> Daisies. It's probably okay. There's probably a funnier answer I could have used there. Big, big sunflower fields in North Carolina. Pansies. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Get them some pansies. Uh, so the college football playoffs second rankings came out this week. And mm-hmm. you and I were talking about this before the show. And this is an important point that I want to bring up. And we talked again, we talked about it a little bit on, on uh, Tuesday's pod, but I, I think it's worth bringing up again. 
you were saying to me, I don't get why Oregon is number three. So for those who didn't see, Georgia's one, Bama's two, Oregon's three now that Michigan State lost, Ohio State's four, Cincinnati moves up to five, and then you get Michigan, Michigan State. And then for the most part after that, with the exception of Wake Forest dropping to 12 and Texas a and jumping up to 11, it stays roughly the same. Yeah, Oklahoma State at 10, Notre Dame's at nine, Oklahoma's up to eight, uh, which they were at before. So, but you asked that question, why is Oregon at number three? And my response to you was, who do you put ahead of them? Because honestly, from two down, I don't believe in any of those teams. Alabama almost lost to LSU. LSU has got the shit kicked out of them by Kentucky. LSU uh, damn near lost to Florida in that crazy shootout game a few weeks ago. LSU is not a good football team this year. And they know Ed O's going out, all the shit going on behind the scenes there. There's a million things going on at LSU. And the fact that Alabama at home, almost lost that game, got held under the 20 points. That defense is not the same as it was in years past. The offense is still growing. Bryce Young, is, I think, will be really, really good. I think he'll be the Heisman favorite next year, him and Caleb Williams. But, I mean, he might even be a Heisman finalist this year right? because his, his numbers are that good. But the gap between Georgia and everybody else is massive. And so you're yeah. like, well, how is Oregon number three? I just – I don't know who else – I don't know who else – who do you put ahead of him? So that was less my question than it was behind them, right? Yeah. Uh, So, but you're right. Like, I don't think you put anyone ahead of Oregon. In fact, they to me might jump Alabama too, because that is the least impressive two, especially for an Alabama that I've ever seen. So, you're right. You made a good point. I don't. I don't think you put anyone ahead of Oregon. and you can't put Ohio State there because of the the head-to-head unless they somehow have, like, just three blowout games against Michigan and uh, and Michigan State, who will be hanging around. Um, and I don't think that will be the case, but, but uh, time will tell that. So right now, I don't think you put anyone ahead of Oregon. It's just I don't understand at four, five, and six. So Michigan State drops behind Michigan, even yeah. though they – beat michigan so that's that's the other that doesn't make sense to me um that's the other part of the rankings here that we that we need to get to is is the michigan michigan state thing and because you and you said it right there right you can't put ohio state ahead of oregon because oregon won the head-to-head but then you come down put the emphasis this year on head-to-head then yes that that is accurate and that's fine every year about it like every year, the head-to-head is supposed to matter, but a lot of times between the top teams in different conferences and out-of-conference play, we don't have the crossover that we've seen from right. Oregon Ohio State. But what we have seen in the past, particularly in the SEC, is when you have multiple teams up near in the top seven, top six from the same conference who beat each other, and you'll see a little bit of a drop-down. And almost always, the team who who wins the head-to-head has been ranked higher. It's, it is the most fundamental thing. Like, the two teams played. Who won? Well. Oregon beat Ohio State. Therefore, Oregon's ahead of Ohio State. Michigan State, just a week and a half ago, beat Michigan. And I know they were down 16 points in that game. And I and I know that Michigan looked really good in that game. And the only team in the top seven last week who didn't have a letdown game other than Georgia was Michigan. So I, I respect, you know, holding up Michigan to a high, you know, giving Michigan some credit. Right, because Michigan beat Purdue, right, and Michigan beat Wisconsin. They have good wins on their resume. They have better wins than Michigan State does. Michigan State's one loss happens to come to Michigan, 
I don't think you, at, with the same record, especially since the committee put Purdue up to 19. Purdue wasn't in the, the top 25 ranking last week. They weren't in the initial rankings. They went from unranked to, uh, I was at 19. And I get it. They have two top three wins. I, I'm not arguing with them putting Purdue there. But if Michigan State's loss is to a team that the committee thinks is 19th in the country, that's not a bad loss. So punishing Michigan State that severely after they just beat Michigan a yeah. week and a half ago and you're using the head-to-head between Oregon and Ohio State just makes no sense. And this is where the subjectivity of the, you know, of the committee really pisses people off because why do we play the games, right? Why do we play the games if that stuff matters? Why, why not just guess who the top four teams are, who the committee feels? And this was uh, just – I'll tell you, was, Jeff. <laughs> this was their justification for it. Gary Barta said in the interviews that like, we just thought Mich- we the committee thought that Michigan was the more complete team, and to me, uh, the I don't, old eye I don't, test, huh? I, yeah, and that's what it comes. That's what it came down to. And Michigan again, Michigan being the only team that didn't have a slow week, but Alabama almost losing to LSU. Oregon only wins by nine. A great win for Oregon. I'm glad that Oregon's at at three. Ohio State wins by nine against Nebraska. Cincinnati comes down to the wire against Tulsa in, in a game that they arguably should have lost. So I don't have any issues, honestly, with the rankings this week, with the exception of, like you said, if you're going to if you're going to do the head to head, if you're going to have that at three, four, not justifying that, justifying it and not having six, seven that way is just is a mistake to me. I, I just don't think that makes yeah. much sense. Yeah, no. I, and yeah, like like I said, if, if you're going to value the head to head that much and this is the first time that I can remember in the in the college football rankings that that the head-to-head has mattered so much in the first, at least the first two rankings, where two or three rankings, two rankings. Um, so if we're going to do that, then be consistent. Like, that's all I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to be like, yeah, I mean, you're no, you're put the four teams that right. I want in there. No, just be consistent. That's all. You're a hundred percent right. And I, I don't know. It just, it's, it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating as a football fan. It's frustrating as, as a fan of, uh, of college football, because honestly, but this is the, this is the thing though, Scott, you did mention this. And I last thing we'll hit on this before we uh, take a break and get to the college or the, the preview stuff. Um, No team after one is, is good. Honestly. Like I, and so when you said like, we've never had the head to head matter as much this year, like I like Michigan, this isn't even the best Michigan team we've seen under Jim Harbaugh. I believe that. I think if you go back two, three years ago to those teams that were, there was a team when they were ranked up, I think as high as third in one of the college football playoff rankings in a much better oh, year, yeah, 2019, 2019. Yeah. And then they got the you know shit pumped out of them by Ohio state. Like ha- what happens every year. I think that Michigan team is better than this Michigan team. But that Ohio State team was significantly better than this Michigan team or this this year's yeah. Ohio State team. And, and mm-hmm. same thing with Alabama. This isn't the best Alabama team we've seen. But when you're looking at it, I mean, even Oregon, right? Is this Oregon team better than the Chip Kelly, Marcus Mariota teams? No, not at all. But and, and Oregon's without one of their best players for the rest of the year in CJ Verdell. They, they went from having two really good running backs to one to one. Like, I don't feel confident in any of these teams. And even though Cincinnati's nine and oh, and I will always pull for Cincinnati, they have almost lost to, to was a two and seven Navy and last week to three and six Tulsa. 
You you know you, what I'd like to see, you can't Jeff? Have games like that. Yeah, you can't. But you know what I'd like to see? Let's do a little play-in tournament like they do in the basketball. Okay. How about mm-hmm. this? We put Wake Forest offense up against Georgia's defense. Right. Just see what the hell happens. Okay. <laughs> or Michigan, yeah. even Michigan's defense. Just see what happens. I just right? don't think anyone's even touching Georgia. Georgia's defense is so freaking good. But that would be fun. And that's honestly, I, my, I, I'm a fan of the 18 playoff. Um, I'm actually a fan of the 12 team playoffs with the, with the home games and stuff. I think that is just electric. Um, but I used to say six teams. All, and you would have the five power fives and then one at large bit and one and two get a buy and then three plea three, three play six, six four, four five, five. Yeah. but then we're talking about all right well then those teams had to play a whole extra game which the sec kind of already did playing one less conference game and allowing you know alabama to play new mexico state this weekend so hmm yeah. That'll be uh, that'll be fun. I but, do hate that the SEC look, does that, but the SEC is also a lot why, harder week in and week out. They just are. If you do a, a, a six-team playoff, right? So mm-hmm. why that's where Michigan State gets screwed in all of this. If you if you ended it, you know, today and probably I think the the rest of the season is because you're gonna rank a Michigan team one spot higher than them based on what. And so now Michigan State's sitting at seven. It's going to be so much harder for them. They got to rely on Ohio State to kick the shit out of Michigan and Penn State to beat Michigan potentially this weekend to jump back into the conversation. That's yeah. wrong. After you beat Michigan already, I, I don't get it. Anyway. The, only, the only other data point that supports it is Michigan beat Purdue handily and Michigan State lost to Purdue. How you, a common opponent has been a data point that the committee has yeah. used a lot. And it's honestly, it's been my argument as to why I think Cincinnati should have been ranked higher than Michigan State last week because they both played Indiana and Michigan State played them at home and almost lost. It ended up being a five-point game. And Cincinnati went to Indiana and beat them by two touchdowns. So, I don't know. I yeah. Look, the committee – and look, as I'll say this every single week until the final rankings are out. None of this really matters. There are some little detailed things like, all right, well, they move from here to it's all teams from six, honestly, even seven, even down to eight control their own destiny. You know, if Oklahoma wins out, they're in. If Michigan State wins out, they do technically need Ohio State to drop another game. Actually, they need Ohio State to drop two games. Um, but then, well, one of they're playing each other, so one of them would have to be that. Oh, what, yeah, what am I saying? I, I've been confusing Ohio State playing Penn State. Yes. If Michigan State beats Ohio State, they're in. So Michigan State controls their own destiny. Michigan controls their own destiny. Cincinnati, I'd like to say controls their own destiny, but unfortunately that's probably not true. But then all the other schools, yeah. you know, they, they do. They, they all control. And I still, I still do believe there's more chaos to happen. I think Alabama loses another game before the SEC championship. Yeah. And if they November's do, going to be crazy. If they do, Texas A&M would be representing the West, assuming Texas A&M wins out. There's still wow. a path for Texas A&M <laughs> to make the playoff. Yeah, how about that? If they went out, they have a win against Alabama, they beat Georgia, even with two losses, how do you keep Texas A&M out of the playoff? You can't. 
You simply can't. You you could not defend that as a committee. Unless all. Ohio <laughs> State ran runs through, Oregon runs through, and Oklahoma runs through. That's the only way. But I think Ohio State has a loss. Even coming. then. <laughs> I, I still, this is going to be probably my spiciest college football take. I think this is the year for Michigan. I think if Michigan beats Penn State this weekend in Happy Valley. And they won't. I think Michigan, I think they have the, I think they have the team that can do it. They are really good defensive team. They, they have really good pass rushers. You got to make CJ Stroud uncomfortable. You got to generate some turnovers and you got to keep the ball away from them. And that defense is young. It's talented, but it's young. And if you can run the ball, which Michigan's been able to do all year, I'm actually like, I want Michigan and Ohio state to both have one loss going into this game. Cause I think, I don't know. I think this might be the year we'll see. All right. Let's take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to uh, preview the NFL college football and uh, we'll do a little NBA 12 games a month into the season. little talk there as well to, uh, to close out the pod. Let's get to week 10 of the NFL, a pretty good slate. There's some interesting games here. Uh, injuries, I think have hurt a couple of games that would have been really, really good, but there are some, there's still plenty to watch here. And we've talked about all season, this whole, the dis- this, this middle group, this middle class of, of NFL teams and just how unpredictable and kind of weird it can be. And we have a bunch of those matchups, uh, but then a couple of good ones as well. So we'll start with uh, the Thursday night game, time old tradition. You guys get to make fun of us as to how right or how wrong we are, but I don't think there'll be much to, to make fun of tonight as the Ravens are going on the road to Miami Thursday night football. The Ravens are an eight and a half point favorite in this one. Uh, unless this is one of those games where the Ravens just play down to their opponents, which they've done in the past. The Dolphins have played on uh, now Thursday night. They've had to go to London. They've had a weird season. Quarterbacks in and out. I do we know if two is playing? I don't think they've officially announced it as to now. Um, I'm pulling up their their injury no, he's list. He's still on the questionable. On the he's still under questionable. So as we record now, we don't know whether or not two is going to play. Uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if we see two tonight. But also, you know, it's a finger issue, and you know, honestly, if they really are in the market for Deshaun Watson. And knowing two is going to be a centerpiece, you know, you know, two, why don't you just take it a little easy? All right. You know, keep his draft stock, you know, keep his stock up because he had been playing well for a couple of weeks there before, uh, before the injury. Either way, I think the Ravens cruise in this one, eight and a half. That line seems big, but I think, you know, a lot of the, the primetime games have been somewhat kind of crazy, right? They've all kind of been weird and close games. I don't think that's the case with this one. I think this is a blow. I think the Ravens cover the eight and a half. Yeah, I, I I don't know, Jeff. I I really don't. I think the the Dolphins are, especially with Tua, have the at least the passing attack that can sort of exploit uh, the the Ravens' defense a little bit, uh, especially with Mike Gesicki. Um, Devontae Parker's still not going to be in this game. Obviously, he's on IR. Um, so, you know the, what they've got left is Jalen Waddle, who's going to get shadowed by um, by Marlon Humphrey. Um, I don't know. I think it, it's it's close. I think it's closer than than you think because the Ravens do tend to play down to their opponents. Um, but Lamar's just been too explosive the last couple of weeks, um, and I'm going to take him uh, all over <laughs> this matchup. I'm going to take the Ravens as well. 
Yeah, I, trust me. Actually, I spent some time thinking about today as I was going through the games as to like which, uh, which you know, which games I'm picking, you know, taking a look at the lines and stuff. And I thought about Miami, right? Because I do think, it, hey, it, you know, I'll put it this way. If Tua is confirmed playing in this game, there's a good chance that I'm going to take Miami to cover because it's eight and a half. And I don't think the even though they're two and seven, I do think the Dolphins are a better team than they've played. You know, they've just had a really tough year of injuries and they've kind of just been all over the place. But I saw this stat today. Uh, Dan Orlovsky tweeted out. Lamar Jackson is averaging 351 total yards per game. That's He's insane. All, that's more than 17 teams in the NFL. Lamar that's Jackson insane. alone is like the what? What's that? The fifth or what's? Why can't I do math right now? Fifteenth best team offense in football. That's absurd. That's absurd. He's also on, on pace to break his own record for rushing yards in the season. We, we talked about on Tuesday's pod, you know, who is the, who is the MVP to this point in the season? I think I have to change my answer to Lamar Jackson. Cause he's playing better now than he did when he won the MVP. Yeah. But like, but like we do so often when it's the first time we've seen something like Lamar, the year he won the MVP in 2019, it's all it's it, it's mind blowing. It's the craziest thing, and it, but then we just get bored with it, and we stop re- forget. We always forget. Like we need to appreciate how ridiculous this is. So, uh, yeah, I'm taking the Ravens tonight, and maybe this is hey, maybe this is the Lamar. Like hey, let's talk about me. They'll be seven and two. They'll be the clear number one in the AFC North. We'll we'll see. And not only that, yeah, they've got a wide open window to be the number one seed, uh, particularly because I don't think Tennessee is going to be hanging around at that one spot. Uh, Buffalo will, though. Um, but in the MVP conversation, too, it's like Mahomes is not having a good year. Josh Allen just had a really terrible game <laughs> against a really bad Dolphins team. Yeah. Um, and that's who who Lamar is facing tonight. So I think this is, this is a, a, a true statement game for Lamar and yeah. the flock – of Ravens, the conspiracy uh, of Ravens. There to, you go. Uh, to cover the eight and a half. Yeah. Is that what a flock of Ravens is called? A conspiracy? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It's like a gaggle of geese. Um, mm-hmm. You know what? You know what? I, I've heard this talked about the college football playoff committee. Do you know what a group of vultures is called? That one's not a murder, right? That's crows. Yeah. I don't know what vultures is. A committee. Ah. So when people like like to make jokes about the playoff committee, you know, it's like, well, you know what, you know, what a committee is. They're a bunch of vultures. Um, before we actually keep going, I do want to update everybody on our standings here season long. Uh, big bounce back week for your boy. Desperately needed. Um, so, Scotty, you went eight and six in the NFL. Vito went six and eight. I went nine and five. Uh, mm. College college football. You had a rough week. One and four. I was one yeah. and five last week, so I get it. Uh, Three and two for Vito, three and two for me. And in total, that brings us to 25 and 27 in college football for you, Scotty. A still absurd 30 and 12 in college football for Vito and 28 and 29 for me. The NFL, Scotty, you are 62 and 58. Just seven more wins. Vito is, there you go. Vito is 51 (laughs) and 52. 
and and one. We all had the one push. And I'm 69 and 65 and one. So nice. There we, there we go. We got it in there. <laughs> uh, you and I are both uh, four games over 500. And that leads us to the overall here. You're 87, 85, and one. Vito is 81, 64, and one. And I am 97, 94, and one. Going to get over yeah. the 200th pick that I've made this season um, today, actually. So on this pot. Again, just I say it every every time someone picks more games than everyone else, just uh, throws the numbers out of whack. I also will say this: when you see Stanford, Steve, and the Bear, and the the Sharks, and the Pros do, they don't pick every single game, right? They just pick. They give out like five their or favorites. six picks that are just yeah. their favorites. If we did that, I'm convinced I would like we all would be even better. I mean, Vito is still on an absurd tear because of how well he's done in college football this season, but. We are calling, you know, we're picking the five or six best college football games in all the NFL games, and we're all over 500. I know that doesn't sound all that impressive, but when you realize, like, contextually, where that is, like, that's actually pretty good. So I'm proud of us as a pod, and we've had a pretty big sample size, too. So let's let's keep the mojo up, and, uh, and hopefully everyone wins their bets this week. Uh, all right, to the Sunday games. Atlanta on the road. To the Cowboys, the Cowboys very disappointing game last uh, last week. I would think that they're going to they have to bounce back here, right? Like you can't get beat down the way that they got beat down and not have a big bounce back game, not come back, you know, fired up, ready to go. But it's a nine point spread, and the Cowboys are favored by nine at home. They lost that game at home. Atlanta's been playing good football. Their defense has actually come around a lot and the offense has moved it. And I'll say this, you know, Dallas's defense got exposed last week and a lot of it was on the ground, but a good chunk of it was through the air too, from a quarterback that you're not that afraid of a veteran quarterback, like Matt Ryan, who can get the ball out of his hands. I think the Falcons have a real chance to cover the spread and make this a competitive game. I would say that if it were being played in Atlanta, I think those extra three points being at Dallas uh, is is just telling me that they're going to win by more than a touchdown, and I think they will. I think they're going to cover easily in this one. I think the offense kind of bounces back. Dan Quinn revenge game. How about that? Oh, that uh, is true. A little Dan Quinn revenge <laughs> game. And uh, Keanu yeah. Neal as well. Yeah. Former uh, safety turned linebacker. Actually, see, I don't think he's played much this year for them. I don't know. No, I don't uh, think so either. But, uh, in any case, I think this offense bounces back against it. the defense is not not very good, and, and Cleveland or uh, sorry, Atlanta doesn't have uh, nearly enough weaponry to uh, uh, look. It, Denver kind of exposed what their what their defense, what Dallas's defense was capable of, but they did it with with like seven different guys, including two uh, two headed monster running back. Atlanta doesn't have that. They've got Cordero Patterson and they've got Kyle Pitts. And then after that, like flip a coin. It's Russell Gage. It's uh, it's Zacchaeus. It's it's Zucchini. Uh, yeah, Zucchini, right? Um, and they just don't have the the weaponry. I don't think so. Uh, I'm going to take Dallas in this one to cover. I think that's I think that's the right call. It looks like they're going to get Tyron Smith back, which is huge for that offensive line in Dallas. Uh, still no Michael Gallup. Amari Cooper. You know, he's been a little banged up this week. Zeke Elliott's banged up as well. So we, I think we're going to see a heavy dosage of Tony Pollard. But again, if Tyron Smith's back, and even if you get, you know, if they split carries 50-50, you know, you may not be happy if you have Zeke in fantasy, but you should be happy uh, as a Cowboys fan because I do think they're going to be able to run the ball. 
One matchup here in this game that I think is going to be really, really fun to watch. How about a pair of freak athlete rookies, Kyle Pitts and Micah Parsons? And I, I think we'll see a hell, I think we're going to see a good amount of, I mean, I think they'll put Travion Diggs or Trayvon Diggs on, on Pitts a certain amount, especially when they split them out wide. But if they have Pitts in the slot, I would expect to see Micah Parsons drop into coverage Point. a little bit and 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 see how they do that. I don't, you know, they're going to play Parsons a lot out of, of the uh, out of the rush game too. Yeah, like that that could be an advantage. No, Randy Gregory though, who's really been the only good pass rusher on Dallas. I think this is going to be a pretty good game. Actually, I don't think I don't think Dak is fully healthy. I think they rushed Dak back after the injury. He did not look good running around last week. He didn't look good throwing it. Uh, I know it's a it's a fool's errand to doubt Dak Prescott, but because that dude just proves everybody wrong. But I'm going to take Atlanta here to cover, but I do think Dallas wins the game. And the over under is also uh, it's also kind of tasty in this yeah, one. It's juicy, Fif- yeah. Fif- Fifty four and a <laughs> half. I, I think I think both defenses let up let up some <laughs> scores. I think we're looking at like a twenty seven to to like 25 ish game. Actually, that wouldn't even cover at that point. So I don't know. I got, okay. Maybe we're in rough. 2020. That would be insane. Like mm. <laughs> I would hit that over so hard yeah. at 54 and a half. Cause yeah. no defense is going to play in 2020. Anyway. <laughs> um, next one o'clock game on CBS. Uh, this is a game that would have been really awesome two weeks ago, but Jameis Winston lists saints going up against the Derek Henry list Titans. This game is in Tennessee, and this line is really surprising to me. Tennessee is a three-point favorite at home, which basically is Vegas telling you this is a pick I don't get that at all with the way the Titans' defense has been playing. Now, look, Tennessee is probably due for a letdown game, but after how well they did going into L.A. last week and winning that game, I know the Saints' defense is pretty good, but three points here? I think Tennessee wins this one by a touchdown or more. I just feel like Tennessee is rolling. I feel like they found something in this offense, and there's still no quarterback. I don't know where the offense is going to come from from the Saints. And the one thing I'll say this about Tennessee's defense, too, for as bad as they've been throughout parts of this year, giving up 30-plus to the Jets and, you know, honestly getting scored on a bunch, they have really found something here. They have found the defensive line is getting really good pressure. Jeffrey Simmons, as we talked, had the three sacks on Sunday night. And the Saints offensive line is really the only like weakness of their of their team outside of like injuries aside. So I think the Titans win this one pretty comfortably. I'm going to take the Titans to cover the three. Hmm. Interesting. Um, they didn't get much going in the run game uh, against the Rams last week. Uh, and that didn't matter uh, because they got AJ Brown <laughs> fired up again and, um, and, Julio's and, they, back. They, and Julio's back. They just found a way. I think, I think the, the, uh, the saints defense, the saints run defense is good enough, like really, really good enough that they will just shut them down it to the point where they can't even, uh, be able to pass the ball effectively. Um, uh, Maybe one or two big plays here or there, but uh, so if, if if it were closer than that, if it were two and a half, I'd be taking the Titans at three. I'm taking the Saints. See, I I just how is tennis? How is New Orleans scoring? How, outside of like, how is the offense scoring? Because yes, it could be a I defensive think, touch. I think they get Taysom Hill. 
I think but, they get Taysom Hill more involved. Like you have to, because Trevor Simeon was not the answer. He didn't look good. I think Deontay Harris has a really big game this week. Uh, him and uh, and Taysom Hill are going to hook up a little bit, and then Taysom Hill is going to be running the ball a lot more and be more, way more involved in the offense because I think Sean Payton saw one week of Trevor Simeon and was like, mm, nah. Uh, so you're you're I overlooking be- one. You're overlooking one key spot in this, Scotty. And that is the Adrian Peterson revenge game against the Saints. His oh, four, yeah, his, of course. His four games in New Orleans when he and How Sean Payton I? hated yeah. each other. Um, look, and then and then you got to get – look what happened to the Saints last week. They they kind of took out Alvin Kamara, who was – even though they played a, a, a tough defense in the Bucs. Oh, no, that was two weeks ago. Who did they play last week? Anyway, uh, you still got to get Alvin Kamara involved. Yeah, you got to get Alvin Kamara more involved because – like I said, I said two weeks ago, when you turn up the volume for him is when he's the best. And now you're not going to have Michael Thomas on the field. Uh, you're relying on on Deontay Harrison and Marcus Callaway in, in the wide receiving core. Like, hello, Kamara is one of the best players in the NFL. But I don't need to tell defense, you that. Yeah, but but that's exactly why they're not going to be able to move the ball because they have no other options. They got no and, – and they have Kevin Byard there who's been the best defensive back in football this season. That's I just fine. I, cover I up the wide receivers. Let Kamara do his thing. But you Saints that's what I'm saying. It's like Kamara can't do his thing on his own. They'll they'll try to feed him the ball. I mean, he got 20 plus touches last week, and they were playing a worse team in Atlanta, and, and they just couldn't do anything. Don't get me wrong, like I can see Taysom Hill coming in and it just being weird, almost wildcat. We had like the 13-year anniversary of when uh, today of when the uh the dolphins broke out the wildcat. For the first time, uh, w- which was a fun trip down memory lane. But like, so I could see something weird with Taysom Hill coming in and, and you know, kind of doing that. I just I don't I don't see it. I, and I think only three points for a team that is cl- clearly a better football team right now, even without Derrick Henry. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's going to be low scoring. I mean, the over under is at 44. I, I'd probably take the under on it. But with a line only at three. I'm I'm taking Tennessee. Um, some breaking. I news. love you, Houdat Nation. Love you, Houdat Nation. Uh, breaking news: Jacoby Brissett will be starting tonight. Oh for wow! The Miami Dolphins. So we um, both took we sticking both with took, my pick. Yeah, I was gonna say we both took Baltimore. <laughs> so I think we're gonna hang tight on that one. Uh, Jacksonville coming off of their big win. Weird to say against the Buffalo Bills. They're playing division rivals, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, long week and a half off for the Colts was it 10 days, right? When you play on Thursday night. So we got nice little long layoff for the Colts and uh, Carson Wentz has been looking good. This game is in Indianapolis. Jaguars have not won a game on the road this year, unless you want to count London, which I guess technically you do. Uh, And the Colts are two and three at home. Colts are 10 and a half point favorite. I'll say this, the defense for Jacksonville, were playing like it was their Super Bowl last week. Emotionally, if they can get back up to that level, I don't know what it was. I don't know why the Jaguars really wanted to play out for the Bills, but the defense just looked like a whole other animal. I have a hard time believing they're going to do that two weeks in a row. And now that Derrick Henry's out of the picture, Jonathan Taylor and you know Nick Chubb getting banged up throughout the season, Jonathan Taylor is the clear favorite to win the rushing title this year. So – if you're the Colts and you're Jonathan Taylor and Carson Wentz has been cooking, but you don't have to let you don't have to ask him to do a whole lot. 
stick with the game plan, do what the Buffalo Bills couldn't do, which was run the ball at all. They only ran the ball nine times last week. You're going to see the exact opposite of that. And I think the Colts win this one in a blowout. This to me is, if you're the Indianapolis Colts, is a real a real test of your mettle. And I know it's the Jaguars, but it's like, all right, guys, look. We're sitting here at, at four and five. We have a shot at getting to the playoffs. If you just get to the dance, especially in the AFC, you've got a shot. So to me, even though it's the Jaguars, every game is a big game, but the the fact of the matter is that the Jaguars are going to come to play no matter how good or bad that they they play all season long. They had a great defensive showing against one of the best offensive teams in the world in the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I just don't know that they can keep up the energy against uh, a team with the leading rusher who's he's going to be the leading rusher uh, with Derrick Henry out as, as you said, Jeff. Um, and, and then Michael Pittman who's having an underrated year uh, with, with Carson Wentz. Throwing. And then you throw in Mo Alley Cox, who's a great weapon out of the Mac for Jack Doyle, uh, of course. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's the Colts. I, I, I don't and I'll know say this the- too: the Colts, the Colts need this win because the remainder of their schedule is is just tough. We talked about this last week, right? After this week, they have to go to the Bills, home versus the Bucks. They do get the Texans and the Jags again, but then it's uh, home versus the Patriots at Arizona, home versus the Raiders. It, there's That's just gauntlet. There, there's <laughs> it's as hard of a remaining schedule as I think. I mean, look again; they do get three games against two against Jacksonville one against the Texans, but so even if you, you chalk those three up as wins, they're going to have to win some of those other games in order to, you know, kind of maintain, you know, their, their playoff hopes. And I think they know that they, they need to win this game. So, all right, we're both yeah. on Indianapolis. Yeah. Uh, prob- probably the best game you could say arguably of the week, but definitely of the one o'clock window, uh, the Cleveland Browns going to new England, the Patriots are one in four at home this year. You know, they had to, they lost to Dallas. They did lose to Tampa Bay. I forget what the other two losses were, but very uncharacteristic of the Patriots to lose. Uh, These are two teams that feel like they turned a corner in the last, you know, in the last couple of weeks, right? It's definitely last week for the Browns, Uh, but the Patriots have been playing really good football. This is going to be a really, really cool matchup. Another, I think, low scoring game. You know, JC Jackson's become one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. So I don't know how much you're going to get in the passing game, uh, but the Browns are decimated right now from COVID. They lost basically their whole backfield with the exception of Dearness Johnson. It's the only running back on their roster who didn't test positive for COVID. So no Nick Chubb in this game uh, and, and who's and no Demetric Felton either. I'm surprised that the line is only two and a half for new England. I guess they just respect the Browns defense that much who has definitely turned it on of late and they're getting Jeremiah Wusukoromoa back this week as well. But I still think new England plays well. I think they win. It's two and a half. A field goal wins it. I, I think the Patriots win this game. So one of two things can happen is Mac Jones reverts back and looks like a rookie because of how good that defense is. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's taken enough steps in between uh, that stage of, of the NFL season and now that, uh, that he's going to be able to hold his own a little bit, um, especially against or particularly against a, uh, a 
tough defense uh, that Cleveland and Cleveland's going to bring the pressure. You know, they're going to be out there. Miles Garrett's going to be out there trying to feast uh, on, on like Lawrence Taylor style on, uh, on um, Mac Jones. So um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of, um, what kind of blocking he gets. Um, I think they do involve a little bit more of like Brandon Bolden out of the backfield, catching the ball uh, just because that's going to be a, a, an, one of the few options I think Mac Jones will have in the passing game. Um, but I like the, I like the Patriots in this one at home. They need a win at home. Um, I just, I, I feel like, like Bill Belichick's put that defense enough together to defend this, particularly this offense with that has nothing left. Like Nick Chubb out of the, if Nick Chubb was in there, this would be a different story. Yeah. Uh, I, I would feel different. Of a game changer, but I- uh, but yeah, I'm taking the Patriots. Yeah, we're both on on the Pats this week, I, and I think that's I think that's the smart the smart play. Now, is it possible the Browns dig deep, figure out something? Sure, but we already had the Dearness Johnson game, right? The game against Denver a couple weeks ago, and, and to ask like a relatively unproven guy to have multiple weeks like that, it, it, it's once is you know can be an anomaly, right? To see it twice means something. So maybe we do see that Dearness Johnson is the guy. I will say. The Patriots may be without Damian Harris as well. Both teams leading rusher might be out this week. Uh, and Damian Harris has had a really good season, particularly on the goal line. But as we've talked about with the Pats before, they don't need a bunch. They don't need one star running back. They do it by committee. So uh, Ramondre Stevenson, who also has looked good over the last couple weeks, he's questionable as well. But I think they'll get most likely at least one of those two. And, and Damian Harris still might play. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I think New England wins the game. Uh, yeah, I, I think yeah, Mac you, Jones... you always talk about uh, everyone fading the uh, all the money right now is going to Cleveland. So, yeah, you always want to fade, fade the that. public, fade the public. Yeah. Uh, Bills and Jets in New York. Mike White will be starting. Uh, oh, so wow. We are getting Mike White back for the Jets. They'll know Zach Wilson uh, and the Bills coming off of that loss. Uh, they're going to look to drop a hammer down, I think, on the Jets this week. Uh, Buffalo is a 12 point favorite on the road. It's a short, short plane ride from Buffalo to the, uh, to, you know, Northern New Jersey. Uh, but 12 is a lot. And I don't know. I mean, Mike white looked good in that one drive he had before he got hurt. You know, he got hurt on the touchdown pass in Thursday night game, but the bills, I mean, that defense is really, really good. And the bills offense needs a get right game. And I think they get it this week. And I think they win big over the New York Jets. So I'm going to take Buffalo yeah. to cover the 12. It's not even close. Not even close. I like, look, Josh Allen had a, a terrible week against, uh, against Jacksonville. And this is a, a dream scenario where you would have Jacksonville, uh, the Jets, and then who are they playing next week? Somebody crappy as well in a three game stretch. Yeah. Um, uh, the Colts. I don't, uh, yeah. Oh no, they had the be- Dolphins, Jags and, and Jets in, in, uh, in succession, but look, I, they they need to get right. They've had two really bad offensive games in a row, and this offense is way too good to have played that poorly in the last two games. And I think uh, I think they start to turn it around. Uh, I'll say this: Jets. if this is a close, if this is a close game, then the panic meter goes up for the Bills. Even if they win, oh, it's time. a close game. You know, this is a game they really need to go out and, and put it to the Jets. But I'll say this, the Jets fight hard in every single game, and Robert Sala has those guys, like, turned up. I mean, even when they were down, was it 40 to, to 10 or whatever it was against the, the Colts, they came back, and the final score was 45 to 30. 
you know, and some people got that line. I'm sure who were like in game betting. I'm sure there were a lot of people pissed about that back door, but uh, they did cover the spread initially. Um, Detroit Lions, zero and eight off the bye, going to Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh's offense has sneaky, sneakily started to come along a little bit. They still don't look great. At Fryermuth, baby, <laughs> better than what they've looked before. There's some chemistry with Big Ben and Fryermuth. Uh, Deontay Johnson still putting up big numbers. Chase Claypool, not quite the guy he was as a rookie, but is still a threat. And Najee Harris is getting a ton of touches. They're playing a bad Detroit team. It's an eight-point line. I don't like that line. I don't like the number eight on a line. It's just it's a weird, tricky number, uh, especially with a team like the Lions who, who like to push for those backdoor covers. But I don't know how the Lions are going to move the football here. In Pittsburgh, it's a tough game. I'm actually thinking about taking the Lions here to cover the eight. I can see it being a two-score game, but then all of a sudden the Lions, you know, you know, score a touchdown late, try to go for two, you know, do one of those kinds of deals. So, you know what? Off the bye, this team doesn't want to go 0-8, man, and the Steelers have had some letdowns. Uh, I mean, even the Bears almost should have – arguably should have won that game on Monday night. Uh, yeah, I'm going to – you know what? I'm going to take the Lions. I'm going to take the Lions to cover. Uh I just don't know how they're going to move the ball. Like uh, the the advantage they have is DeAndre Swift out of the backfield who can catch the ball. That's the only thing I can think of. He that, and Jamal Williams both. I mean, two violent runners. You know. Yeah, but but you're not going to run the ball against Pittsburgh, and and the offensive line is tough for for. Uh, for Detroit, snow and but, rain in the forecast, by the way. Oh, snow. Our first snow game of the year. Let's go, baby. Well, it's probably not going to be snow. It's because it's like a high of 42 on Sunday. But uh, in the morning, it's going to be cold enough where it might snow a little bit. But it's going to be sloppy, like classic Pittsburgh weather, which also I think factors into, you know, do we end up seeing maybe a closer game than we think? Yeah. And if you're going to do that, then give me Najee Harris over DeAndre Swift and uh, Jamal Adams combined. So so you're taking Pittsburgh Uh, to cover the eight? Yeah, I'll, I'll take Pittsburgh to cover. All right. Uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks going to Landover, Maryland to take on the Washington football team. Uh, both teams coming off of a bye here. And I think the Bucks, they're healthy. Looks like Gronk's going to finally be back. Uh, this seems like a very oh one sided game here. Don't bet. Yeah. You're going to lose money if you bet on this game. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tampa Bay. <laughs> Is a nine and a half point favorite. That number honestly seems a little low to me. I was probably yeah. expecting at least double digits and uh, nine and a half. So, you know, you at least get that little half point there. Cause I think they win by 10 plus at least. Um, the one thing is if the turf monster in Washington catches up to father time, you know, we've seen that, we've seen that field snatch some ACLs. I'm not, not obviously not hoping for that. Jesus. Um, yeah, but don't put that in the universe. I'm just saying, like, you're just, I don't know why. Sometimes I just get feelings about, like, I get random, like, I'm like Raven from That's So Raven. Like, I just get a vision that pops into my head. I'm like, I can see oh, God. somebody you're rolling into Tom. I can see somebody rolling up into, yeah, but you know how, like, Raven only gets, like, one an episode, and then she's always wrong about what happens, and she has to like, go back and, like, try to fix it? Like, that's me. It's like, I can see one thing happening in football, but I completely fuck up you know everything else around it. What a premise for a show <laughs> anyway. seriously you're seriously. always wrong but you still you got to go fix it uh anyway. tampa bay cover nine uh yeah yeah i'm gonna take tampa too uh, washington's one and seven against the spread that's a bad <laughs> football team 
Um, and I said this a couple of weeks ago. I was like, even the um, as banged up as that team is, they have two guys. And this is a, a, a fun Matthew Barry thing on the on the fantasy football now podcast. Is uh, they have two uh, two of the medical doctors on the on the team that are part of this investigation. So they're not even getting like the top level healthcare. Yeah. And so for all the guys banged up on on Washington, like I, I firmly believe in that now. Like the more I listen to it every week, you know, when it started, I was like, yeah, that's like BS. And the more I listen, the more I'm like, oh, yeah, actually, <laughs> maybe that is a thing. Um, and so I don't know. Antonio Gibson's banged up. He's playing with like a broken shin or some shit like that. Yeah. Logan Thomas could be coming back, uh, which is good news, especially in this matchup because Tampa Bay's given up a ton of uh, receiving yards and, and touchdowns to tight ends. I don't think that's enough of a difference. Uh, the way yeah. that, that the Buccaneers offense has been humming. Well, remember too, Godwin. remember too, the last time we saw Tampa Bay, they lost. So it's coming off of a buy and a loss. Tampa Bay is going to come out. I mean, I don't think this game is going to be close. Big time. Uh, yeah. Not even close. Four o'clock window. Got the Panthers. I do not believe we're going to see Cam Newton this week. So uh, no Cam Newton yet. It'll be PJ Walker starting at QB. Because uh, I think Cam has to clear like some COVID stuff before he can actually join the team. But he might be there for the game. He just won't dress and won't be available to play. Uh, also, has to, you know, learn the offense. That would be helpful. Uh, hmm. So you got PJ Walker and the Panthers going to Arizona to take on the eight and one Cardinals. Cardinals are a 10 and a half point favorite. Still banged up Kyler Murray, but that didn't matter. They last didn't practice week. all week. Didn't matter last week. And I don't think it's going to matter this week. Uh, I, I think, you know, Chase Edmonds is going to be the one question mark. He has, he's questionable for this game. Uh, if we get a healthy Chase Edmonds, great. If not, then James Connor, Connor still there. Uh, but the way that this Panthers, you know, defense has been beaten for the most part through this year has been through the air, with the exception of when they played Jalen Hurts like a mobile quarterback. But they do have Stephon Gilmore there now, which at least should shut down part of it. But they activated A.J. Green. Um, D-Hop expected to play, but is listed as questionable right now. They still have a ton of weapons. Um, I think this game's pretty one-sided, but 10.5 is a big number. We'll see if the Panthers get invigorated by having, you know, Cam Newton in the locker room all of a sudden, which I don't think will happen. Uh, I think the Cardinals win this one. I think they win big, and I think they cover the 10.5. Big time. I'm with you, Jeff. Cardinals roll. They're 7-2 and two against the spread this year, despite all the injuries and all the, you know, like DeAndre Hopkins, for the most part, hasn't been played as much of a star role in the offense this year. Um, and so even if he's he is back, uh, you know, I don't, I don't see that changing. Yeah. And so they've and done it. They've done it well with a, with a balance of guys. And I, like, look in the run game, if you don't have chase Edmonds, you have James Connor and, and Benjamin, Eno who's going to, is going to uh, light it up too a little bit and, and open up some of those, those lanes. I, I think this is a big game for Zach Ertz too. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I t- I'll take the Cardinals as well. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think the Cardinals win, but I do see a universe where, you know, remember they were they were down. I still can't get that game against Jacksonville out of my mind, but they were down nine in the early fourth quarter to Jacksonville. So maybe Arizona hits one of those, you know, snags, but I, I do think they end up winning here, and, and I know it's a big number, but I'm going to take uh, uh, Arizona. Uh, the other 405 game, we got four 4 o'clock games this week. Vikings, oh, Chargers, God. Vikings and Chargers, 
all I know about this game is it's going to be weird. All I, I don't have a strong lean one way or the other. All I know is that this game is going to be weird. Some, some random fucking shit is going to happen. And the Chargers right now are a three-point favorite at home. But we know that, that you know at home there isn't necessarily that much of an advantage. Um, I don't know. I think the Chargers found some stuff in their offense last week that's going to help them. Teams have been able to throw the ball pretty well against Minnesota. And even though Minnesota always plays close games – this one feels to me like it's going to be like a six to eight point win for, for the chargers. I'm going to take the Chargers to cover the three. Dalvin cook is going to have 6,000 yards rushing in this game. That's alone. true. That is true. Uh, no, so he's also got, he's also going through some stuff off the field right now. That's he's had himself a bit of a week. So all the more reason to get back on the field, get into football, and just worry about what's going on between the white lines, buddy. He's going to have a huge game, and I'm not just saying that because he's on my fantasy team, which beat Jeff last week, but he's going to have a monster game. And right, Easy there. Uh, Two I, wins I, in three years, <laughs> and now all of a sudden the guy thinks he's fucking fantasy expert over here. Head-to-head. Head-to-head. Josh Allen, he's gonna have a monster- 10, Josh Allen put up 10 points against Jacksonville, and you beat me That's by fun. like – what four five doesn't matter uh dalvin's gonna have a monster game i don't know what we're we're, we're gonna get out of kirk cousins or justin jefferson I, justin jefferson's going to get more involved in the offense they've been too much target sharing with uh with all the the receivers there in uh in minnesota so uh i think minnesota has a bounce back game and i think this is one they need to win especially they've lost you know the one game that aaron Rodgers didn't play when they could have had a bounce back and and uh, you know, yeah, fought back into that division, but uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm gonna take Minnesota actually. All right, I crazy, uh, I don't know about that. I don't know, we'll see. I'm all in we'll on see. the Vikings. We, we've been we've been on the same page for a lot of these, so it's good that we have some uh, some disagreements here. Um, the four first of the 425 games, the Philadelphia Eagles on the road in Denver. It's a shame, Again. no veto today. Yeah. Um, no bets, and, uh, we don't, we we don't. We don't get to have our little uh, our little rivalry, but we'll talk about it on on Tuesday's pod. Uh, right now, Denver is a two and a half point favorite. They're riding high off of a, a big win against Dallas. Uh, I don't I, This is going to be an interesting game because I think the Eagles have kind of found a formula that that is working for them. Still no Miles Sanders, but, you know, the the, the Broncos are still pretty banged up. I think you can run on this defense. We saw the Cowboys be able to run pretty consistently against them. It was the only way they were really able to move the ball. And then you're going to throw in a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, who's going to force them to, to, you know, to worry about him as a runner. I think the Eagles might win this game just straight up. Like I, I really do. Um, it feels like a win for the Eagles. And honestly, the Broncos offense is so bad, especially throwing the ball like consistently throwing the ball that I'm actually not that worried about their offense against the Eagles defense, which is really bad. (laughs) Like I actually think the Eagles will be able to play decent defense and I'll add this in there. Three of the starting five offensive linemen for the Broncos are hurt and will not be playing in this game. So I think their run game suffers from that. And I think the Eagles who have good pass rushers on their team are going to be able to pass pass rush and, and make Teddy feel uncomfortable. And, and I think the Eagles are going to win this game. So I'm going to take Philly to cover and win out right here. Nope. Give me the Broncos. That defense is fuego. And, uh, and they're going to make Jalen hurts run the ball too much. 
when there are guys that are that are open uh, or rely on uh, at least rely on running the ball uh, with his and and just make him make mistakes in the in the passing game as well. So I'm going to take Denver just based on the defense. Jalen just they haven't been throwing with him a whole lot. You know they've been really consistent with the running game and. And again, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be tough to run against the Broncos defense. I do think they're they're, they're a good run stuffing team. They're just a good defense. Um, but we've seen teams be able to move the ball against them this year. And, and I think a mobile quarterback is one of the things when you're going up against a good defense that just kind of throws a wrinkle into it. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. It should be. A f- I'm actually really excited. I think that's going to be actually a pretty good game. Uh, and then the other four o'clock, four twenty five game is Seattle going to Green Bay. And right now we are unsure about whether or not Aaron Rodgers is going to play. Uh, it is likely that he's going to play, but there is still a small chance if something happens, if he tests positive between now, a test positive again between now uh, and Sunday, that Aaron Rodgers won't play. But it does seem like he'll be back and playing in this game after the 10-day layoff. Uh, Matt Green- Wilson. And Russell Wilson is also coming back. Uh, which is exciting. So this matchup that we're like, man, we were going to get Russ versus Aaron Rodgers, and then, you know, Russ gets hurt, and then Aaron Rodgers get test positive for COVID. We're like, man, we're going to watch Geno Smith versus Jordan Love instead. Looks like we're going to get both guys back. Uh, Green Bay is a three-and-a-half-point favorite, uh, and I guess a lot of that comes from the uncertainty of Rodgers. But to me, if Rodgers is in this game, this line is closer to 10. You know, that even with Russell Wilson on the other side, because I don't think the Seahawks are a great team, even with Russell Wilson. Obviously, Wilson will help, but he's never had to come back after missing time before in his career. So we don't know how he's going to respond. We don't know how rusty he's going to be, knowing Russell Wilson, the way he prepares and everything. But to get Green, to get Green Bay at this small of a line, again, like I could pick Green Bay now and Aaron Rodgers could end up not playing, and then it's going to seem like a dumb pick. But I'm going to bet on Aaron Rodgers being back for this game. And I'm going to bet on Green Bay to cover. I don't think it's a dumb pick, even if Aaron Rodgers is not in. They came in with Jordan Love, covered the back door. How about that? They're eight they and did. one. They're the best team against the spread this year. Russell Wilson is three and three in his career against uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is six and three against the Seahawks. Them and Dallas are those... both eight and one, by the way. Dallas, well, is, Dallas also... is seven and one against the spread. Um, because they had to buy. Oh, um, okay. So, uh, but Aaron Rodgers, uh, five of those, uh, five of those eight games came against Russell Wilson. So, huh. uh, and they were all wins. So, give me, give me Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And even if they don't, I feel confident that they're gonna, they're gonna right. cover the spread in this one. We're both on the pack. Uh, Sunday night, Chiefs Raiders. Um, the Ooh. Raiders. These are two teams that I, I just don't, I don't have any sense on. You know, I think any outcome of this game wouldn't be surprised, would, would, wouldn't shock me. Uh, right now, Kansas City is a two and a half point favorite on the road. It feels like maybe, you know, the interim coach magic for Basikia has run out a little bit, but also I don't they said love- that last week. <laughs> and it did. They lost to the Giants. And yeah, <laughs> like I was, I was predicting that last week it would run out in addition to all the Henry Rugg stuff. And now they're still dealing with the Henry Ugg stuff. And they have a coach who has never been a head coach before this year and is being asked to handle unprecedented shit as a head coach. You get to be at home, which is big. And it's Sunday night football, which is big. 
which is actually pushing me more towards the Raiders for a bounce back win here. Um, but it's just betting against Patrick Mahomes. I know he's looked bad. and I know there's some serious problems with that team. And yes, they squeaked out a win last week, but I don't know, man. I just, it's hard. I just, you can't unsee what we've seen Mahomes do to this point in his career. And you just have to believe that at some point they're going to get back to that. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be this weekend. And I'm going to take the Raiders to cover on Sunday night. Jeff, I wanted to be different than you because I thought you were going to take Mahomes and them boys, but. Oh, if now it means Kansas City's going to win. Kansas City's going to look amazing this I'll week. I'll be different. Patrick Mahomes this week said he's going to continue to throw the ball deep. And uh, this is the team to throw the ball deep against. Uh, so, look, if, you, if, if the Raiders are going to come in and play too high safety, then fine. Like, Travis Kelsey's going to feast. So, um, I, I, I think this is the, the game that is the get-right game for, for Mahomes. Like, they played a, a tough defense last week in Green Bay. I mean, Green Bay played lights out against Arizona, who we thought was one of the top – the best, if not, like, top two offenses in the league um, going into that game. And then – you know, Kyler Murray gets hurt and all that. So um, Green Bay kept that up and really just shut down Kansas City uh, despite the loss. They they only give up 13 points. So uh, this is the, the defense I think we're finally seeing. Uh, the first couple of games we saw the Raiders defense just kind of light it up and be like, yeah. whoa, we had the Raiders in like the bottom third of the league in, yeah. uh, in coming in coming into the season in defense. And now mm-hmm. – they played really well. Now they've kind of regressed back to what we thought they were. Uh, so I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Mahomes and them boys. I'm using my scratch but, out. I'm also gonna take Kansas City. No, now I want the Raiders. All right, <laughs> all right. Sorry, I, I forgot. You know, I was actually I was listening to Mina Mina Kynes' podcast, and they were talking about how much better the Kansas City defense has been. Um, and I backed, I did some deep dive into some of the numbers and stuff with with just the improving the improvement that we've seen, the way that they've switched from you know man free when you know that's like man with like safety help with like one safety kind of helping over the top to playing much more like zone across the board. It's helped cover up some of Eric Sorensen who's been really bad. Two and a half is a small line, um, and yeah, that Raiders defense is bad. So yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Kansas City. And then Monday night, the Rams maybe Odell Beckham Jr. will be there. Uh, they're going to San Francisco, who's 0-4 at home right now. The Rams are 4-0 away, and the Rams are coming off of a bad Sunday night loss to the Titans. This is take Rams. Take all the points. This take is, all the points. Take <laughs> the money and run. Take it all. This is L.A. by a million. So, all right, we're both on the Rams there. Both on the Rams. Uh, all right. Niners are not good. Like, I'm sorry. Can I just like for a second? The Niners are not yeah, a good 30 seconds. Team. The way that the, that Kyle Shanahan has overcomplicated things and the, the personnel he's put on the field. That he's overcomplicating everything. Just get back to some of the fundamentals. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Play a little football. They did that. A That's couple right. Weeks ago I thought they were playing. Chicago. I thought they were playing basketball. That's yeah. That was good advice. Exactly. He said, play a little football. That's. Let's see. This is why we yeah. pay you the big bucks, Scotty. Well, the Warriors are nine to and rant, one, so you're not getting yeah. to rant about the Niners while you're eating food into the microphone. 
the Warriors are nine and one, so you're not gonna you're not gonna uh, take that's that true. title in uh, in San Francisco. So, um, all right. Well, we gotta take a break, so we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna hit on college football, and uh, yeah, I think I'll be it. We'll save our NBA update for uh, for next week. Um, we're running a, a, a touch long here, not too bad, but I uh, want to make sure we get everyone ready for the college football stuff. Uh, and uh, we'll see where we stand there and get everyone off to a, another weekend of football. Enjoy it while it's here. Uh, so we'll take a break. Be right back. All right. College football is coming down the home stretch here. This is the required SEC teams play a bunch of really bad teams. But we do have some actually interesting SEC matchups as well. Mississippi State and Auburn. Uh, obviously, the Texas A&M and Ole Miss game being the headliner there. Georgia and Tennessee. Tennessee is a 20-point underdog to Georgia. I actually was talking to Scotty, so I wouldn't be surprised if somehow Tennessee's offense actually moves the ball a little bit. I feel like Georgia's Georgia's been so good defensively, and I don't again, I don't think it'll change. Chances are it's going to be a 31 to three blowout, but wouldn't be totally shocked. Uh, got some Take good the under. Got some big Big Ten matchups this week as well, kind of across the board. Even like the not super entertaining Big Ten games are kind of interesting. Uh, and then a couple of relatively important Big 12 games. You know, Oklahoma State probably will beat TCU. Seemed like TCU won that one for Gary Patterson last week against Baylor at home. Uh, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. And then the one interesting ACC game, and that's where we're going to start. Nothing in the Pac-12 is interesting right now. Um, Oregon's taking on Washington State, but also that the Pac-12 look random games like they lose more of those. They have more of those random scores, random outcomes with top teams in their conference than any other conference. So if Washington State a bonus pick, give me yeah, bonus pick, uh, and we won't count it in the standings. Give me Wazi one uh, on the on the spread. (laughs) Yeah, they're uh, Washington State is fourteen point underdog on the road against Oregon. Uh, I mean, Washington State was playing that. really well before all the Nick Rolovich shit went down. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see about that. Also, before we get into the picks, I want to give a quick update. My rant last week about JMU did not work. Um, however, they did announce on Saturday morning that JMU has officially accepted the invitation to the Sun Belt, which is awesome. So, shouts up to the Dukes. Well done. Unfortunately, though, uh, this past week, this the – bunch of student athletes from JMU sent a petition around to all sorts of power, a bunch of power five schools, other D one schools, and got signatures from players from every single university and the majority of sports programs uh, in the CAA. So every single school in the CAA had uh, athletes who signed this petition to allow JMU to participate. And the CAA met and had a meeting about it and basically said, no, go fuck yourselves. So they doubled down on their opinions to be assholes, even though they That's very horrible. easily could change it. Um, yeah, the, horrible, only, the only Division I mean, One school really. or the only Division One conference in America who has this rule. Uh, and, and look, the CAA is just making themselves look worse. And unfortunately, the people who are paying for it are the student athletes. But uh, the good news is, and, and it was well said in the statement from JMU, from Jeff Bourne and, and President Alger today, uh, where they said, this decision by the CAA only confirms to us that we're doing the best thing for our students, our programs, and our uh, student-athletes, which is a yeah. really uh, professional way of saying, kindly go fuck yourself, CAA. So yep. good for them. Um, but yeah, it sucks. Sucks. 
for JMU, you know, you have this amazing thing, this amazing thing for the school and the program. And uh, this is kind of casting a not so great um, shadow over it all. Uh, but we do have games and JMU will be playing the Sun Belt next year. So uh, let's get excited. We're going to pick five games in college football this week. Not an awesome lineup, but there, like I said, there are some good games. We're going to start in the ACC, going to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, when NC State takes on Wake Forest. Now, Wake Forest lost last week in that game against UNC. It was a shootout. The offense is definitely not the problem, but they're playing a good defense here in NC State. NC State's offense, however, uh, has been up and down. There's some times where their quarterback has looked fantastic this year, and there's been other games where – uh, they haven't really been able to get the ball moving all that much. Wake Forest is a two-point favorite, only two points at home. I love that number. I think Wake Forest has a big bounce-back game. Again, the offense is not the problem, and I think the defense will do enough to slow down NC State, so I'm taking Wake Forest. No, 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 no. It's going to okay. be Wolfpack. Uh, Wolfpack's defense is, uh, has been electric this year. Um, Really, really good. And uh, they've only allowed 320 total yards per game uh, on defense. So uh, I think they're going to they're gonna do enough of a job up front to, uh, to slow down uh, Sam Hartman mm-hmm. uh, for making the big play, uh, which is where Wake Forest lives and dies. Uh, so I'm going uh, to take the pack on the road. All right. I, I could see it going either way. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if NC State wins this game. Uh, NC State's a good football team. They're a really good program. Uh, Dave Dorn has that that program running really well, seemingly year in, year out. He's been there a while. Uh, one of my favorite stats is two out of the top three all-time leading passers in the ACC are from NC State. Hmm. Rus- Russell Wilson and uh, yeah. and Philip Rivers. Oh, they still also, get to claim Russell Wilson, Mike- huh? Well, he was there longer than he was at Wisconsin. He was there for he was there yeah. for three years. He led the Big Ten, and when he was at Wisconsin too, that's how good Russell Wilson. Is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Breaking news: Russell Wilson's a good quarterback. Who I also knew? Think, I also think Mike. I think Mike Glennon's in the top ten too. It's just crazy. Mike Glennon, like, Fairfax, Virginia. <laughs> how about that? Really? I didn't know that about yeah. Mike Glennon. Right down the road. How about it? Long neck Glennon. Um. Yeah. All right. Your boys hosting in Happy Valley. The number six oh team in the nation, the Wolverines. Uh, yeah, the helmet out. Did you see that? No. We needed a second excuse for a wideout. We couldn't just get the two wideouts. So they're doing a wideout for the entire stadium. And then the section on the 50-yard line is a blue stripe. Oh, that's cool. Like on each side. That's stupid. But it's cool. No, that's cool as <laughs> shit. I also hate I hate this rule that you guys can only – and it's a self like you're self-pressing you. yourselves. Especially after we didn't have any wideouts last year. So just Vito give us and I have had this debate. I it. just I don't get it. Whiteout every game. I don't I get like if you do every game, it's not gonna mean as, as much, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But like if it's a big game, just do a whiteout. You're gonna host either Michigan or Ohio State every year. So pick another game out of conference, like you guys did this year with Auburn, and then whichever are the other ones that you're hosting, do a whiteout for that. Exactly. I, and we've I, got a ton of good games coming up on this on the, the schedule of non-conference. You got West Virginia coming up. Uh I think in 2024, they're they're up in, in Penn State. And then we got Virginia Tech coming in 2025. So like, hello. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I don't it's two more uh, than one wideout. It's not that hard. <laughs> I had this Vito and I had this debate before, and he was like, I don't know, man. It's just like tradition. So I'm like, well, traditions I one of my least favorite 
things in a in an argument or debate is when someone's like, well, it's just how we have, how we've always done it, or like it's a it's a tradition. I'm like, but I I don't okay, ever what are remember. I don't ever remember that being like a one game thing. Like I, I remember it's, like an, un, it's an unwritten a, rule. student section. It was like a student section where white everyone else can do whatever they want. Yeah. As far as I remember, when I was a student there many, many moons ago, yeah. this was when Jimmy Clausen was playing quarterback at Notre Dame and we sacked him. Anyway, this was a long time ago is my point. Michigan <laughs> is a one and a half point favorite right now on the road. Uh, I know where you're going with it, um, but I watched this Penn State team in person last week. Uh, Jahan Dotson is a, a star, um, but Michigan is a very good pass def- defensive team. Uh, they're a good defensive team, and Penn State's not going to be able to run the ball. If if Maryland was able to shut down the running game for Penn State, Michigan's going to absolutely eliminate it entirely. Yes, they'll get a little extra juice for being a home game, Happy Valley, the helmet game, as, as you're saying, which I actually think is really cool. Um, but it's all right. I think Michigan has proven that they can – they can put up points in different ways. And especially in that Michigan state game, they were able to run the ball. Well, they're able to throw the ball. Well, so I think Michigan, I think Michigan wins this game. So I, I'm taking the Wolverines here. This is a huge game for Michigan. They, again, they have everything out in front of them. This isn't an overlooked game. You know, they still have a couple of weeks before they have to go to Ohio state to play them. I'm taking the Wolverines here uh, to win this game and uh, cover the one and a half. Uh, this is our season, and Penn State is six and three against the spread this year, which also happens to be their record. Huh. Uh, I think Sean Clifford's going to be able to air it out a little bit, um, a little bit, not not nearly as much as he did against uh, against Maryland. Uh, but I think, listen, I, I've talked about it on this podcast before. The fault of of our program writ large over the past four or five. Uh, five years since we won the Big Ten championship game now is uh, is that the, the coaching staff has failed to coach the players up to the level that they should be. And they talk about all this rhetoric about uh, about taking the next step and all this. Well, it starts with you, right, at, yeah. as a coaching staff. So guess what? You lost against uh, Iowa in a close game. That was no mm-hmm. no fault of the players. That was That was a really good game. You, you lose a, a terrible game against Illinois that you shouldn't have lost by any means at all. And then you lose to a close game to Ohio State, which I think you played really well. That was probably one of your best games of the year. So guess what? Now your backs are up against the wall with three losses. This is where you go out and let it fly. What have you got to lose with three losses, Penn State? You got sure. a home game yeah. against Michigan. This is, this you is, might like as you well said, just is, go for it. This is their, this is their uh, Super Bowl. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Michigan. So I'm taking the Lions at one and a half. I'm taking the Lions. All right. I mean, at that point, you're basically just picking winners. Uh, I think Michigan's defensive line is going to terrorize. Yeah, we're going to shut down Michigan's run, too. You watch. All of them yeah, I mean, I, I think both defensive lines I would favor over the offensive lines, but I think Michigan's offensive line is actually is pretty good, and, and they do a good job of just getting that push and kind of always positive yards, that mentality. Uh, all right. Next game, Purdue at Ohio State. Now, Purdue, like we said before, up to 19 in the college football playoff rankings. Uh, but they are a 21-point underdog on the road here against Ohio State. They've knocked off a number two team in the country. Then they knock off a number three team in the country. Can they knock off the number four team in the country? The answer is no. But can they cover a 21-point spread? 
give me the outright spoiler up the spoiler makers do it man i i no i don't know about outright actually no i think they do cover man like look david bell Jahan Dotson had a, a big game against uh, against Ohio State as well, um, and, and so part of part of what we've we've talked about as as the struggles for Ohio State have been largely in that secondary, and they've gotten a little better and shorted up a little more. But I don't think that defense is nearly where, uh, uh, particularly for the the standard that Ohio State sets, uh, is where it needs to be. And I think David Bell is just going to absolutely light it up yeah. in this game for Purdue. So uh, I'll take Purdue to cover. Truthfully, I don't think they win, but I think that I'll take the cover. Since the Penn State game, I mean, you know, the Penn State game was was a pretty close game. The final score is not quite as indicative. I think the game was closer than a nine-point win. Um, And then the Nebraska game was also a nine-point win. So they went from blowing teams out by, you know, Rutgers and, uh, you know, Maryland and Indiana for by, you know, 30, 40 points each. It was was six in the fourth quarter before they – I know, that's – I know. Like I, I said that. I said I said that the win against Penn State was closer than the score. Of oh, I, meant, I meant Nebraska. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. They both. Yeah. Just, okay. they both. Both were there. But my point being is that they ran. They went on that stretch where they were blowing teams out by like 40 points each and each of, in, against Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, and then you play like two good defensive teams. Like say we about Nebraska. Nebraska is a good defensive team with really good recruits, really good players on that defensive line, and they play hard on defense. Their offense has been abysmal, but the defense did well. So can Purdue's defense do enough to slow it down? I think they can, and I think the offense will be able to move the ball pretty well, even though Ohio State – this is honestly the best offense they've played since Oregon, which is a pretty wild thing to think about. Uh, you know, Penn State, Sean Clifford looked healthier in that game, but definitely was not where he was, you know, not at the level he was playing at earlier in the year. Uh, you know, they played Minnesota in week one and gave up 31, and then they gave up 35 to Oregon. And since then, the most anyone scored on them was the 24 that Penn State put up against them. And I think that Purdue's a better offense uh, than, than anyone in the last what, eight games that they've played. So I think Purdue will be able to score. I'll put it this way. If Ohio State plays to their potential, they should win by 30 in this game. It should be one side. But I I just don't know how much – I just don't know how (laughs) how tested, you know, the secondary of Ohio State has been and whether or not we've – you know, because it's – look, Penn State's got guys. You know, Jahan Dodson is in that same class as David Bell. But – they still weren't able to score that much. I don't know. It's just, this is a tricky game. This is a tricky game, but I'm gonna, I think I'm going to take Ohio State to cover. I think they need to cover in this game. I, th- I think 21 is a lot. No, you're, you make a good point, though, because they're sitting at four, right? Yeah. I'm going to say, if you want to stick there, especially, especially with the, especially with the Michigan game coming up in a couple of weeks. Well, and that's part of, so that's, you want the style points, right? Well, they have like this, they have this game and then they have at, or they have home versus Michigan state and actually at Michigan, it's at Michigan this year. I don't know why I thought it was in Columbus this year, Uh, but the game is at Michigan. So they got home against Purdue home against Michigan state and at Michigan. And are the players looking ahead too much? You know, and even if they do look ahead a little bit against Purdue, I still think they win the game. But is it enough for Purdue to cover? Um, man, no, I'm going to swear. I'm going to go Purdue. I'm going to take Purdue. 
Oh, wow. I'm very split on this game, man, because like I think again, like if Ohio State plays up to their potential, they're gonna they would win this game by 30. But they come off of two close fought games. I don't I don't know. Maybe CJ Stroud's been kind of gotten caught up to, or is this the Are outlier analyzing stretch? It? I don't know. I'm overthinking. Are we analyzing question, it too much? Right. No, just give like, me the points. I, I, just give me the 21 and hope that Purdue's able to score and and maybe I, if it is a blowout, finds the backdoor cover. Yeah, I'm 21 just seems too much. Most, in most of my play, uh, college football picks, I'm like, what would Vito do? Because <laughs> he's killing it in college football this year. So, all right, next Vito, game. Vito would, take, Vito would take Ohio State, I think. Um, all right, two really good games here, two best games of the weekend. We have Texas A&M on the road against Ole Miss. This is awesome, uh, in, at least for one side of the ball for each team, right? So Texas A&M's defense going up against Ole Miss's offense is going to be so much fun. Because you got Matt Corral out there, one of the best quarterbacks in the country, one of the best running games in the country, uh, and a team that offensively has actually looked kind of bored at certain points of the game this season, right? Like last week against Liberty, they get off to that really hot start. They're up, you know, 20-something to nothing. And then all of a sudden, Liberty gets some points. I kind of come back because Ole Miss is like, oh, we're up here. We're playing Liberty. We're fine. And look, they were ultimately. Uh, and then on the other side of the ball, right, Ole Miss's defense against Texas A&M's offense to me, they're about at the same level. So it, it it's going to come down to who plays better, Ole Miss's offense. If Ole Miss's offense can move the ball against Texas A&M, then I think they'll be fine. And we've seen teams do that this year. We just, you know, we always get – it depends on which version of Bo Nix we get with Auburn, right? So last week when Auburn's playing A&M, we got the shitty version. We got the the, the road Knicks, right? When, when Bo Nix plays on the road, he's a, historically a very bad quarterback. This year he's been a little bit better. Um, and now Texas A&M coming up, and that's why the, you know Texas A&M's defense looked as good as they did, but can Ole Miss handle the front four of Texas A&M, which has some monsters on it? Uh, maybe the only defensive tackle that goes to you know pound for pound with Jordan Davis. Right now, I'm actually leaning towards Ole Miss, mm. um, but Texas A&M has something to fight for. Right. Texas A&M's playoff chances are still alive. Ole Miss right now, not likely to make the playoffs. Um, and they really have nothing else to play for this year. I mean, both teams are seven to two. Uh, so I guess technically both are alive still. And the winner of this game will be significantly further alive. I'm going to I've been on Ole Miss a bunch this year and I've been about 50 50. So they won last week, so I'm going to take Texas A&M to cover the two and a half. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I just uh, they have so much more to play for, right? And and, and you hit it that the defense against Matt Corral is going to be uh, something to watch. But right, I think now, it's going to be a competitive Jimbo, game. Jimbo Fish has got them firing on all cylinders, right? Two and a yeah. half on the road uh, is is. Good. Uh, and I think Zach Calzado will be able to – I think they'll be able to move the ball better against Ole Miss's defense than they were against Auburn's defense, which is a much better defense. Uh, and they won, you know, 20-3, to three and they had the one fumble return for a touchdown, which is really the only way Texas A&M, like – it was the difference maker in, in the game there. Um, but I think they'll be able to move the ball a little bit better against Ole Miss. So, yeah, I'm going to take yep. – right, we're both on Texas A&M. Uh, and the last one here – this game is the first – I've been talking about it for a month now, about Oklahoma. They have the stretch to close out the year. Uh, 
at Baylor, home against Iowa State, at Oklahoma State to finish out the season, plus whatever they have in the Big 12 championship game. And that starts now. Oklahoma has to go three and one in these next four games, and they have to end up winning the, the, the Big 12 championship in order for them to get into the playoffs. But this is the first real test for Oklahoma all year. You can say Texas, but Texas has fallen off the wagon since then. Uh, the defense from Oklahoma after it started out the season looking like it was new and improved has kind of, you know, dropped back a little bit. And Baylor can beat you in a couple of different ways. They got some good wide receivers. They have a good mobile, the good mobile quarterback, but a guy who's a big, strong athlete can sling it around as well. Uh, and Baylor likes to run it too. Uh, Dave Aranda and that, you know, that loss last week is, is knowing Dave Aranda as a coach, I would be really surprised if Baylor doesn't come out really really tight defensively and right now Oklahoma is a five and a half point favorite I don't think I I don't think it's going to be that big one way or the other I think this is a field goal game and so I'm going to take Baylor to cover the five and a half man we are just right in sync uh, really I have. just I yeah I think Baylor is it, it, this is a comeback game for them right they they got they got hit in the mouth last week uh with a loss against uh a not so great TCU team. And for some reason, their hopes are still alive in the Big 12. Uh, and so the journey starts here for them. And, and this is a big one, right? So so they've got to trust all of all of the things that have got them to this point and uh and and just execute uh I guess this is coach speak. This is terrible. Uh, just execute and and, and yeah. play really well against what I think is a, a a not so great Oklahoma team as well. So uh, just be better than the guys in front of you and, mm-hmm. and do your job. And you love those, man. You love those little colloquial football colloquialisms. Right. Just, I don't just blink. Be better than the man in front of you, you know, Yeah. all that stuff. <laughs> you got to want it more. All that Never blink shit. sooner. All right. You're taking Oklahoma. Yeah. Oh shit. All right. <laughs> you said we were in lockstep with each other. I just assumed you were going with Baylor. Okay. Well, that's the pod. Um, we'll be back next week, and uh, we got some stuff. Uh, I might, maybe, maybe we'll hop on and do an NBA pod, like a short little forty-five minute MV, M, uh, NBA pod, is like a bonus pod next week. Um, but be on the lookout because uh, if it's not the NBA pod next week, there, whenever that pod with our uh, special guest comes out, um, that will be an additional one that'll be kind of a standalone. So uh, we'll see how all that kind of goes, or maybe we'll tag it on a, a, as a part of an episode here or there. But uh, that is going to be fun. That should be coming next week, hopefully. Uh, so stay tuned. Enjoy the weekend. Scotty, good luck to your boys. Uh, though I think the Wolverines come in there and make a statement. And they won't. we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Enjoy the football. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll talk to you all next week. Take it easy, everybody. Bye.